Welcome! You're tuned in to The Rest of the Sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper into content, conversation, and application of Sunday Sermon at Westside Church in Poplar Bluff. If you want more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. If you have any questions you'd like answered on this podcast, you can email them to info at westsidepb. Most importantly, it's all about Jesus. All right, welcome back to the rest of the sermon. Thank you guys and gals for joining us. We have got Miss Nikki Mauser, our family director here in the studio. Hello, Miss Nikki. Hey. hey. <laughs> oh, hit it twice. There you go. <laughs> and the giggles that you hear is one half of the media team, Miss Haley Murphy. Hello, hello. Thank you. The fa- her faithful husband, John, has started school, yeah, and so he is doing his band director thing. Mm-hmm. They officially start yeah. back tomorrow with tomorrow. the students. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yep. So Popper Bluff started Monday, a lot of other places. So we're back in full swing, guys. Yep. It's, uh, it's fall. Blah. Yeah. It doesn't feel like fall. No, not in here. <laughs> so you guys are hearing this. I love there it. was debate. We love you guys so much. Yep. We are puddling in our own sweat yep. in here. We air. were going to turn a fan on, and it sounded like we were either at a wind tunnel or the beach. Yeah. So yep, we're just we're suffering for Christ. Yeah. That's what we think we're doing. Persecution. Yep. Here we go. All right. So would you rather not be able to bend your elbows or bend your knees? Which ones? That's so weird. Would you rather like, not bend your elbows so I you're wish just... I you could see us all. We're like trying right? to get our limbs right now. Yep. Or would you um, rather not bend your knees? I think I would rather not bend my knees. That means like wow. when you're sleeping... Yeah, when you're... Imagine sitting uh, in a chair. Sitting in a chair. It's always got to be in not the reclined happening. position. Yeah. Car rides, how are you going to work that? But also, my legs weigh so much more than my arms, so if they can't bend, that's a that's going to be a core-making moment. Right. Yeah. So then I'm sticking with it. I would have lower abs that no one would ever see my legs. I feel like I, I feel like I could get by with not being able to bend my arms. Like, I feel like I could still use them just, a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. See, I, don't, I, I feel thinking, like I could not. I couldn't hug any... Like, I mm, couldn't... Yeah. That would make yeah, awkward that's, hugs. Lego hugs. Right? That's, that's everybody the first thing I number. thought of. <laughs> yeah. Can't hug anybody. Can't hug humans. <laughs> it's uh, this. It reminds me, Piper, when we were walking up to the kindergarten center, and there's all these door, you know, all these people mm-hmm. around the door and all this stuff, and she goes, "Look at all of these kids to help me." Oh. And I, my heart broke because that's I was so like, precious. "They're not gonna help." Jason, don't you dare tell her that. Well, I just like he said it inside. inside. My, yeah, my optim, like my pessimism, my reality of the world. You know, yeah. I just broke down thinking about her pureness. Yeah, but you know what that, I mean. Like, make like, you wonder when our pureness went away. Yeah, because it's like it's still so pure in her. So, yeah. like, what? When does that change for people? I know for everybody it's different, but John yep. and I have those conversations oh, all the time. Like, man. when did the flip switch? Mm. Yeah. How about this? Would you rather have loyalty or respect? Loyalty. That's an easy for me. Mm-hmm. I, I know that may not be everybody's, but well, for me, I, I need loyalty yeah. from people. I trust too easily. I feel like if you're going to be, lo- I'm talking ride or die mm-hmm. loyal, there 
there's got to be a level yeah. of respect so that's there, right? I'm like, yeah. initially, I think loyalty, yeah. like that, I would have gut said it, but then I'm sure. like, to me, that goes hand in hand, mm-hmm. but respect does not equal loyalty no. to me. No, 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 no. And no. so to me, in order to have loyalty, you would have respect for that person. So yeah. to me, it almost seems like you get a, sure. like, they'll win. How yeah. about this? That's the answer. Would you rather have money or influence? Money. Interesting. Man, I don't know, Haley, because I'm thinking it kind of goes the same way back to the respect and yeah. loyalty. Because if you have influence, you can act, you have access to money for sure. The Kardashians are proof of this. I mean, I that, mean, I mean, we have a term now called influencers. Yeah, like I mean, it's it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, but, but that comes with a lot more work. responsibility. One hundred percent. Everything. Yeah. And yep. If I just have blind money, I can make my house payment. Yeah. I you know. I or own it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that it off. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm not even thinking that big. I guess I, I needed more of the amount of money. I'm like. I love it. I remember somebody very recently asked me, like, what is your, like, big financial goal? Yeah. Like, you would have said you made it. And I said, if I had a house cleaner and a personal trainer, I think my mind would just be, like, blown. Yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. I would. And they were like, I think if I could fill up my gas tank and never worry. Uh, and yeah. I was like. Oh, uh, yeah. And yeah. then you guys are like, yeah, ultimately you would pay, pay off, off your house. Right. And I'm over here like, I just want to make the payment without this. Yeah, man. <laughs> the struggle in these streets is real, <laughs> man. I think I would probably, I don't know, like I, I'm an Enneagram three. And so influence is pretty appealing to me, you know, in, in that sense. But it does come with work and come with this, that and the other. But I feel like if I, if I had money, I would be an influencer, Mm-hmm. as well in that oh. sense. So it's a kind of a flip, yeah. you know, a little bit in that. Anyway, guys, we are in a series. <laughs> in I love it. We're just, we're just transitioning now. Yeah. Um, we are in the series Defining Moments. And so we have been talking, we shared a little bit last week about some of our defining moments. Um, we did a little bit of review. Haley, I would love for you to talk about, um, Nikki and I just talked a little bit about some defining moments. Like she said, Hurricane Katrina, that oh, like yeah. that affect well that affected Nikki big time because like they moved and that was work and that changed their life. So that was really cool. That was really significant. What about you? What is a defining moment in your life? It doesn't have to be just bonkers crazy. It can just be anything. Just a defining moment in your life. I think there have been several. I think like a very personal one. Um my parents' divorce and yep. then like my own marriage and having a child, like those are very yeah. defining moments. Totally. I think like as a country and even as a kid in the country, nine eleven was huge. Yep. Um, I don't feel like our world was ever the same, which is crazy for me because of how far removed we were actually from that in situation. In the Midwest. You know, sure. I just like I remember like everything stopped and yeah. John and I have talked about this a lot recently. We flew into DC to go to Virginia and we were just like security changed, whatever. There's going to be a whole generation like Maeve will never know that there yeah. was a before. Yeah. I remember walking my dad to the terminal gate. Mm. Like all he, like we walked up to the door. Yeah. He got his, ch- uh, his ticket checked and then he walked onto the plane. 
And then we turned around and walked out. Like, I remember that about an airport. Oh, yeah. And and now you can't get past a restaurant, you know, to go in. We had a foreign exchange student. We walked him to the gate and just everything. Yeah. And, yeah, that was just, like, crazy for us to see. And John was remembering. He said everybody else got picked up from school that day. Yep. But my mom was a government worker and could not leave. Sure. And he was like, those are just like crazy defining moments. Like it's I crazy. feel like yeah. everybody remembers where they were. Oh on, yeah. Like 100%. as a country, regardless if no question. you were right there. No question. That's awesome. It, that What happened wasn't awesome, but it's awesome to look back on defining moments yeah. because we said that a defining moment is an experience that is memorable, meaningful, and missional. And I think we said that without saying those exact words. And the reason why it's important is because we said the quality of our lives is dependent on how we respond to these defining moments. Um, one of the things that we'll get into later, we said, you know, you can't control a crisis, but you can control how you respond to a crisis. Absolutely. And I think that is a powerful truth to understand about defining moments. And so then we've talked about and, and introduced a new word into our language, a kairos, which is the word for time, but it's the word for God's time. Yeah. Our time is chronos, chronological, tick-tock, tick-tock. Think of a watch, all of that good stuff. But a kairos is God's time and our time. It's a window. It's an opportunity. It's one of those things. And have you guys been using this? I just talked to somebody at church, and they were like, man, I was on the phone with somebody, and I said, man, you guys are in a Kairos moment right now. And they said, well, that's exactly what we said when it comes to that. Have you guys yeah. been using this language, Jenny? I am getting there. Um, Frida, Miss Frida, actually, several years ago at one of the women's conference, referred to Kairos moments yeah. as spiritual markers. Love it. And so when I heard her say that, I'm like, that's a word I'm going to start using. So yep. I'm transitioning from it. good to good. Yeah. But yeah, it's it feels a little weird. Like, I said it to... My son. And he's like, you said that word wrong, Mom. And I'm like, I did not. I <laughs> hey, promise. I said in the sermon, you can put a little Southeast twang in it. Mm-hmm. It's okay. And I felt you know? very convicted as being the person <laughs> sitting there when he said that. I wasn't even there. And I was like, man, rude. No, not really. One of the things we did Sunday was is to even kind of narrow the target down a little more to help with some language. We said that, generally speaking, we can use the language for like five types of Kairos moments, Okay. If a Kairos moment is God's time and our time, what does that mean? Does it mean fire from heaven? Does it mean I notice something? What does that mean? And the answer is yes to all of those things. <laughs> and so we said, uh, you know, number one would be a brick wall. Yeah. A brick wall Kairos moment. Your life is heading a certain way. You're doing something and everything yeah. stops. 9-11. You kind of talked about that. A yeah. brick wall moment. Secondly, we said the speed bump. Um, This is something that is maybe repetitive. Like maybe you're like, you know, I keep having these conversations with my kids, coworkers, spouse. This is just a little nudge. I've noticed this. I've noticed this consistently. I would put consistency with the speed bump. The third one is the mirror, a mirror moment. When you get onto your kid for responding out of anger to something, and inside you're going, oh my gosh, that's exactly how I respond. They learned every bit of that from me. Like, yeah, it's just a massive mirror moment. The fourth one is the vision. Maybe it's a glimpse. 
Maybe it's, you know, I see this is, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to go this direction. I always think of nurses when I think of a vision because a lot of nurses either themselves were in a medical emergency or had a family member that was in a medical emergency. It intrigued them. They saw that. And then it was like, I think this is what I want to do, the vision. And then the last one I would call the smile. This is just brings joy to your life. This is a text message. This is a post-it note. This is, if you're from the South, a sonic drink unexpectedly. Hey, that is my love language. It's love language, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so out of out of these kind of five Kairos moments, a little bit of language, which ones do you guys relate with? Which one is kind of like, um, you know, hey, that's that's good. That that's helpful language for me. Um, me personally, and we discussed this this morning in staff. Um, I resonate between three of them. I need the brick wall. Like mm-hmm. I'm a little stubborn. Sure. And so it needs to like stop me. Yep. Um, the mirror, I'm living in that right now with some things <laughs> I'm seeing. Sure. Um, and then the smile. I like those little bitty, even though they're smaller, they are still just as impactful. When you this morning I um a verse popped up on my daily Bible app Yeah, and a friend of mine that I've not spoke to in a while has this tattooed on her. And I'm like, Hey, I've not spoke to her in a while. Got me thinking about her, praying for her, sent her a message. Those little moments of that type of, Hey friend, I love you. I miss you. How are you? Reconnection come in for me with the smile. I love it. Haley, how about you? I feel like especially hearing you even define even more of like the consistent, the constant with the speed bump, I would say that's not my favorite one to get, but it's the one that I can go, oh, we've done this before. Oh, we've done this before. And things are either not changing or it's time for a change or God's like, hey, how's that working for you doing the same thing your way? Um, And I think that one speaks to me a lot. I love when he sends me a smile, but uh, (laughs) I think I learn a lot more when it's a speed bump. And I do very well with repetition because I'm definitely the person that's like the first time, maybe that didn't mean (laughs) to happen. or That's like just a thing. But when it continually happens, it's like, hey, like something's got to, we got to do something here. That's good. I love it. I think I, um, the mirror and the vision kind of hit me. Mm, Um, I think mirror moments for me are almost like a brick wall or they feel like a brick wall to me. It's just very standstill kind of like, whoa, that I have, okay, you've got my attention here. What I was really frustrated about in them, I'm seeing in myself, Mm -hmm. deep conviction, sackcloth and ashes, kind of that type of thing. But then the vision too as well, I think there are moments when um, I see things or either envision things, uh, aspire to things and stuff like that, where I'm like, oh man, if, if God, if you could just make this happen or something like that, I think those are things that I tend to relate with, but we would love to hear from you guys. I mean, out of these five Kairos moments, which one sticks out? Yeah. What, what resonates with you? Miss Nikki, I'm going to read this passage. Uh, okay. We were in Isaiah chapter six. So what we did Sunday is we said, let's look at a brick wall and just evaluate it. Is there a process here? How do we deal with brick wall moments? This is my life will never be the same. My family's life will never be the same. How do we deal with these? Yeah. And we were in Isaiah 6 with Isaiah's calling. And Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 says these words, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, 
and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke, and I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who shall go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go. Mm. Brick wall, man. Brick wall. Brick wall. I mean, you, you're seeing a vision of heaven. The temple is shaking. There's smoke. There's all kinds of stuff going on. So, Miss Nikki, kind of recap. Walk us through <clears throat> a little bit of this process of maybe you're in a brick wall. What does this look like? How do I process a brick wall Kairos moment? So typically the brick walls are crisis modes. We listed several examples when we were talking about it. I mean, 9-11 was a crisis. For yep. me, Hurricane Katrina was a defining moment differently than those experiencing living it down there, but it was still crisis. Yep. Um, and then we, and we'll break these down, but it was a crisis, a cleansing, a calling came into play. Um, I'm getting those all out of order. No, you're good. It's a, uh, it's clarity. a clarity. Yep. And I'm missing one. Where a crisis, clarity, conviction, conviction and confession, cleansing and calling. Yeah. There's conviction and confession. There okay. you go. Yeah. There we go. Let's get my notes in order, So guys. we started Sorry. with crisis, and, and where crisis comes from in the text is King Uzziah died. It's like the first phrase. This dude ruled 52 years. Game changer. Like, guy was awesome. Um, and then, obviously, everything changes after that because he's gone. I looked up, it was very interesting. Um, one German scientist says five, the average person has somewhere between five to seven crises in their lifetime. I thought do, you were going to say a year. I was like, oh my God. No, no, yeah, no, in their lifetime. Do you agree with that? You feel like that's about right? I think major crisis, probably. Yeah, I started thinking, okay, I just, this is the way my mind works. I was like, okay one teenage years maybe, then maybe early 20s, then, you know, 30s, 40s-ish, then kind of kids have a crisis, mm -hmm. and then maybe grandkids or something along. Yeah. And so, yeah, when you look at 70 to 80 years yeah. and you do a marker every t decade or something like that, it kind of makes sense that way, really. Yeah, no, I'm thinking, and I was like thinking of all of our, you know, knowing the three of us as well as I do, <laughs> um, I'm sitting here going, okay, there's been death, there's been divorce, yep. there's been all of these, you know, things that have happened, and that's not counting global events. Yep. Guys, if you're listening um, and you were here post 9-11, you've lived through 9-11, you've lived through COVID. Those were two crises <laughs> right there. Game changer. Yeah, that were game changers. Which leads us into the application sentence. We said a crisis is always a catalyst for change. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be negative. No. 
in that sense. And I think you bringing up COVID is a big deal. Like, I mean, how many places now you only come into the office maybe two days a week? Yeah. I have a, a family member that works for FedEx and, or they did work for FedEx and now they work for St. Jude and stuff. But it was like, hey, everything's Zoom. You can work from yeah. home. You can, and a crisis is always a catalyst for change. And I don't think we always view it that way. I think we try to buckle down yeah. in a crisis. I don't think we become fluid. I think we become solid and we try to preserve our life, you know? But we said you can't control a crisis, but you can control how you respond in a crisis. So a little bit of confession time. Huh. What is out of, let's say, freeze, fight, or flight? Just the kind of three broad psychological ways human beings respond. Mm -hmm. Where do you land in a crisis on that? Your personality. How do you just knee-jerk, fleshly reaction respond to a crisis? Are you fight? Are you freeze? Or are you fight? I fight. Like, I yeah. know I'm a doer. Sure. So I don't run away well, and I don't just stop. Yep. So it's, okay, what... What next? What can we do? What do we have to do? Sure. Yeah. Um, My inside, I would love to flight, mm. but I think because of either just life and I'm a husband, I'm a father, yeah. you know, being a pat, like I don't ever, I'm just always in crises. And so I, it's always fight in that sense. But I think I ha it takes me a few seconds to go, okay, and then get into the fight mode in that sense. I think if I know a crisis is coming, I will run. But if it just happens, sure. which is how a crisis I was about to say, like. how many crises you have planning? you seen coming over the horizon that you've been well, able you to talk plan? to my therapist a lot, but um, <laughs> she's like, it. okay, well, you're planning for something that we're hoping doesn't even happen, right. you know? Um, but in it, I'm very much like Nikki of like, okay, what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that always comes from a healthy place though. Sure. Like, oh, absolutely not I think for me. It sure. is fighting so that I don't run. Sure. Like, well, if I just immerse myself in it, yeah. we're, we're doing it right now. Yeah. But isn't it, it's funny, we really do fight to gain control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the reality is, is we don't really want control. No. I'm, I mean, it's like the dog chasing the car. It, have you ever just, the next time that happens, stop your car. Yeah. And the dog is, mind is blown. It's like, here's the car. <laughs> what in the world do I do now? You know, I think that's a good example of the human heart, you know? I think you were right when you said the root word of the crisis means to decide. Yeah. So when those things happen, we're forced to become aware of the decisions we have to make, whether we want to or not. Yeah. It is that turning point and whether you run away from it. You sure. know, I think of the ostrich sticking its head in the sand, ducking. Yeah still going to be there when you And we addressed that. We said, "Hey, listen, you know, to all of you people who say it'll work itself out." Yeah. It always ends up worse. Yeah. And so, you know, indecision by definition is a decision. Yeah. You know, in that sense. And so, okay, we said it starts with a crisis and then what's the next one, Nikki? It is clarity. Clarity. Which... Isaiah says, "In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord." Like just one of one of my most favorite phrases in all of scripture. I I love it. I would love to see this painted. This would be a dope tattoo. 
Isaiah chapter six. If you're a tattoo artist out there listening, send in a <laughs> sketch to info. No, I'm just kidding. But um, you know, one of the things I said was what's interesting when you look at the history of church attendance in London. It was actually the highest during 1940, 1941, which was during the Blitz, yeah. when Germany was bombing London and England for seventy plus days straight. I mean, it's un- I mean, it's one of the it's a world war. It's insane yeah. to think about. And then we were talking again, 9-11. I remember the Sunday evening after 9-11. It was the, or the following Sunday. That evening, there was a community-wide church service there in Kennet, and it was packed. The high school choir sang. I mean, it was huge, huge, huge deal. And we said, a crisis gives us clarity in the fact that we all desire a deep connection to God. I I think that's absolutely true. We just witnessed it with the passing of JT. 100%. Everybody, like the second the text went out, the church is open for prayer. Mm. We all flocked. And then it wasn't like we all We left and we came back. And we left and we came back. You see that in crisis. And typically it's, you know, hey, I got a bad report from the doctor, you rally the troops. Or a girlfriend's going through something, you rally the people around you because we all have that longing to be connected to each other. That is something we are created as a partnership, and I think that's a huge gift that we don't always realize God's given us. It's interesting, too, to see how people respond. Like One of the things during COVID that was the most Googled thing was, is this a plague? like a biblical plague. Mm. That was one of the top things that was Googled. Is COVID-19 a biblical prophecy or a plague or something like Interesting. that? Interesting. Yeah, and and I think, though, it's an apologetic in a sense that it's the statement is true. A crisis brings clarity that, okay, I need to get my family back in church. Yeah. Or I remember my grandma praying with me. Yeah. Or it always brings you back sort of to that moment. I remember you saying this years ago, and I don't know if it's been repeated in a while. You don't see people at the lake on a jet ski happy. The world is spinning. Everything's sunshine and rainbows. They're not always the quickest to say, I have all this because of God, because of my relationship with Jesus. It's the people who have had their feet knocked out from under them that are the first ones to say, God's got me. I'm okay. And and I think that's very telling. When things are good, they're good, and we sure. we want to control that. Yeah. But in these moments of growth and clarity, I think listening to Isaiah say, I saw the Lord. Mm. I always say in Psalm 23, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Mm-hmm. So like you can either lie down or he'll break your knees, and yeah. then you can lie down in that sense. We said that Isaiah got clarity on two specific things about the nature and character of God, though. He saw two distinct things about who God is. The first one was a big word, sovereignty. God is in control of the crisis. So when you look at the text, there's a play on words. In the year that King Uzziah died, okay? Mm -hmm. So what do kings sit on? Thrones. And Isaiah died, so that means the throne's vacant. Mm -hmm. I saw the Lord seated on the throne. I just love the Bible. It's like telling you a ton of stuff without even having to tell you stuff. Sovereignty, God is in control of the crisis. The second one is separateness. God is completely and totally perfect. And this comes down to the holy, holy, holy. Like 
these angels are having to cover themselves from the very glory and holiness of yeah. God. The angel has to grab tongs to get the coal to go. Like, this is how holy and big God is in this sense. I want to ask you guys this. When it comes to sovereignty, God is in control of the crisis. Or separateness, which is what the word holy means. It means yeah. separate. It means distinct. For you personally, this, there's not a theologically correct answer here, okay? For you personally, which one of those is the most appealing to you and makes you attracted to God? Is it that God is in control of the crisis or it is that God is completely and totally separate and distinct and perfect? Man, I think the thing that attracts me the most is that he is in control, which mm. is extra funny because that's the thing that I fight the most, sure. you know, but I am attracted to that for sure. It's yeah. nice. Like I think, Oh, well if I fail, he's got it, but I'm going to try the whole time. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I cannot, like, I just can't comprehend it. I try all the time. Like even just reading, I just cannot comprehend the true separateness, yeah. like just how he is none of these, these negative things of earth. Yeah. He's just, it's so mind boggling to me. Yeah, and good. I just think like that part is, is harder for me to understand. So it's less attractive to yeah. me because I'm like, oh, that's mysterious. Yeah. Someone's yeah. saying they have control. I can get behind that. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's good. I like it. But okay. I see yeah. That's point. really good. I like that I, breakdown. I, Cause I'm, I am like, before we got into all the Enneagrams and the whatever, I would have been like a type A control freak sure. because I am a type A control freak. Um, and that part, like when Jason says, God is God, you are not. I'm like, well, that's just rude. Um, <laughs> some right. days. But I, for me, it is more of his holiness mm. because I do feel like such a complete, um, there's no one that listening to this. So, you know, here you go, guys, my therapy. Um, <laughs> I feel like such a fraud mm -hmm. sometimes and sure. I know how unholy I am. Right. I try and I strive. Even at our best. Even yeah. at my best. Yes. Even when I am doing all the things yep. that the check marks are there by this world's standards. Yeah. I am a good person. Sure. I know that by worldly standards. But to try to emulate something so perfect and so holy. And to realize that's not the world, the world standard, that's not the standard. Yeah, Being no. a good person is not the standard, which would be a very controversial statement. Yeah. You know, in that sense. So yeah. for me, that part that God is so much better yeah. and more than anything I can wrap my brain around. That is a draw for me. So That's I can good. see, I'm like the flip side of Haley over yeah. here. There's a story, I, I think I'm drawn to perfection. Mm. And there's a story of Leonardo da Vinci hanging out with some other sculptors and painters. And they said that they were all striving for perfection, but beauty is in the eye of the beholder, blah, blah, blah. And so basically da Vinci felt like they were making excuses for poor work <laughs> because they were not, you know, and someone said, for there's nothing perfect on this earth. And the kind of urban legend is, is that da Vinci got a piece of paper and drew a complete perfect circle. Mm. And even the mathematician ran up and it was, you know, you know, all perfect and stuff like that. But, but just, I think the idea of attaining perfection yeah. is, is something completeness, wholeness, all of these words, I think, and then to understand how, Theologians use the word other, 
how other God is. But then when you bring in Jesus and then God becomes a human and then it's like, whoa, all of that stuff. So yeah, that's good. We, we kind of said, I think everybody would agree with crisis, clarity, like, oh, okay, yeah. this is making sense. This is great. But then we asked this question, <laughs> what's the difference in being shaken up and shaken to the core? Because I don't see Isaiah as, you know, uh, across the line because I was on Snapchat and the on the road, like, oh, man, I'm a little shaken up here. Isaiah is shaken to the core of his soul. Yeah. And I really do believe that this these next two things separate and, and provide longevity in a brick wall Kairos moment. What are these next two, Nikki? You've got conviction and confession. And I think you're absolutely right that yeah. when you have these big moments, things change. Yeah. And it's where are they coming from? Yeah, 100%. It's my favorite part of the text. Yeah. Because he says, I'm lost. Mm. Like just that word. I'm like, He knows right where he's at. I'm lost. Yeah. And for conviction and confession, it takes so much humility. Yeah. And just to say like, I'm lost. Like how hard is that for us to say sometimes? Right. In moments that it's not even crucial. Like yep. why is it so hard to be humble and just like, hey, I've seen the Lord and the first response I have is humility. Yes. Of like to realize that separateness, to yes. realize like I am nothing without you. Yeah. And that that is true conviction. I don't think without that humility, you can have that conviction. You can have that true confession. Yeah. It just doesn't work. And so when you read it every time the I'm lost, I'm like, why is that so hard mm. for us to say? Why does it take so good. seeing God to say that. So good. And I mean, guys, when you look in the New Testament and everybody that encounters the resurrected Jesus, and we'll get to a minute who Isaiah sees here, they fall to the ground as though dead. It's yeah. like, yeah. oh my goodness, you know, and and I think we lose the sight of the magnitude of who God is. But then when we see that, we're like, oh wait, this is, we're not even in the same universe no. when it comes to this. And and I agree with you that I am lost. I want to read, C.S. Lewis has this quote, in God, you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God as that and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God or yourself at all. And, you know, John Calvin in the beginning of his institutes says that proper theology comes with a proper, a proper understanding of ourselves first comes with a proper understanding of who God is. If you want to know who you are, you don't start with you. You start with who God is in that sense. Isaiah sees that, and then it's conviction and confession. And, and we just said this, repentance is recognizing that we're not God. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you keep reiterating that and the fact that repentance is not a dirty word. Yeah, man. We all fall short. We yes. all sin. And it's being aware of it to change it. Yeah. I mean, uh, a synonym for that would be, let's say you were heading to Casa Grande and you guys were going to eat dinner. And then you go, nope, I want, I want Taco Bell yeah. or Taco Taco. You could say, I repented. Yeah. 
of the decision to eat Casa Grande, and I chose to go to Taco Taco. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. Yeah, That's what the word means. And I think in moments of crisis and a brick wall kairos, God no more has our attention and teaches us that than when we just fall and go, all right, I can't. This situation, this scenario, I can't do it, God. I can't yeah. do it. It's yours. It's and those, yours. Re- those moments of repentance lead into your fourth point, which is the cleansing. Yeah, man. And this is when Isaiah, behold, your guilt is taking away and your sin is atoned for. Mm. When you spoke to, and I had never caught it in the text, that the angel used tongs. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't know I why. I was just like, what is the Greek word for tongs? That's right. what I wanted to know. <laughs> I'm going. Same one for salad tongs. Right. Like, <laughs> I, just, I love it. Well, and I think it's a bit like, I, so you went to salad tongs. I love it. That's what, I just imagine him grabbing like the. the you're the thinking of an ones. iron horse I really thing. did. Yeah, I really did. I, like, I love yeah, that Jason knew. Yeah. yeah sure. I went to the, you know. That's not my the world. The farm. Yeah. 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 I know. No, I, I think of the same thing of yeah. like this reinforced steel thing, but I just for some reason it it just no. There's an anvil and everything, Haley. Yeah, no, but I'm just doing this it, like the you're doing crab like, hands is what you're doing. Like the angel just like oh my little like, old yeah, right. With every, the ice bucket. Yeah. I don't know. Every Continue. dad before he goes out to the grill, test him, click click, that's right. and then go out that's there. That's right. Yeah. But I like I don't know why that stuck out to me. I was just I just try to read and reread and reread. And reread and reread and just ask questions. And I, you guys want to know something? I'm just going to mad confess something here. Okay. I try to picture myself as Sherlock Holmes. Oh, And I go to my mind palace and I'm like, Mr. Watson, why is that? But a detail that stuck out to me was. Did you just say your mind palace? Yeah. Well, if you're a fan of Sherlock, then you know. Yeah. Then then you actually know. Clearly not a Sherlock fan. Thanks for making me feel mad insecure. I was like, hold on. I got what it. did you just call <laughs> your brain? Got it. Hey, ask John about yeah. a mind palace yeah, tonight. I will, but I'm scared. So. It's, and it's on. But anyway, I just, I was like, okay, I know, I know where he's at. He's in the temple. It's the Holy of Holies. It is the fire for the sacrifice that's supposed in the fire and the altar of incense that burns 24 yeah. seven. God told Moses that can never go out. Fun fact, when the plague <laughs> broke out amongst Israel, God, it's God told Moses, go get coals from the altar, almost as a test to be like, y'all keeping that mug burning 24 mm-hmm. seven. And when Aaron went and got the coals and held it up, the disease was back. So it's like really, really cool. But I thought the fire's representation of God's, of, of holiness, of sin, of the payment and sacrifice for sin. And so a lot of times the cross in Christianity is is the ultimate symbol of love, as it should be. Please hear me. The greatest symbol of love is a cross, okay? At the same time, the greatest symbol of what God feels about sin is a bloody cross. So it's both beautiful and bloody and broken and just this magnitude of who God is. And it's funny Isaiah confesses very specifically. He does not go, woe is me, I'm kind of a bad person compared to my neighbor, right? It's like, I'm lost. And then he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. We talked about all that. And And I just wanted to reinforce, God is, God is much, 
God is much more willing to forgive our sin than we are to confess it. Oh, yeah. God is far more ready, readier. I don't know my language here. It's failing me. But God is much more willing to forgive our sin, which he did ultimately on the cross. But I just wish we understood and everybody listening understood that's how quick mercy rushes in. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're talking no more. The prodigal couldn't even get the rest of the speech, and the dad ran to him. I just... Oh, man, that's the gospel. I always think of the parents that are asking the teen the question that they already know the answer to. Yep. And they've already, the parents, if teenagers, if you're listening and the adult in charge of you asked you a question they and know. you know you did whatever they said, just just nod your head. Yep. Just just say yes, because they've already got the punishment and everything. God <laughs> doesn't have our punishment anymore. That was satisfied in Jesus. Yeah. But it's already, it's done. Amen. It is just Amen. as soon as you do it, it's done. It's almost like, why do, do you want to stay in chains? No, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we just came in with the sentence that God only uses broken vessels and God uses your weakness to show his strength. Yeah. The very thing Isaiah confesses, my mouth is impure. Yeah. God then cleanses it and says, oh, yeah, 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 you're going to be my mouthpiece. Yeah. It's just the irony of that. So what if the very thing that you are fighting in your life to hide as weak, God is actually coaxing you, convincing you, drawing you to give that to him so then he can use it? Yeah, that's the fifth point of yeah. the calling. Whom shall I send? Yep. Who shall I send? Who God uses go? people to reach people. Yeah. That's it. That's 100% it. And so I realized Sunday I did not say the big idea. You did not, you which from a uh, tech standpoint was like, well, I mean, <laughs> when is he going to... I mean, from a communication <laughs> standpoint, I'm a super duper stickler about that. And I thought I had a fairly decent big idea, but we always bring it back to Jesus. And what's interesting is in John chapter 12, verse 41, the writer John says, Isaiah said these things because he saw his, Jesus's glory, and he spoke of Jesus. So think about that. We have the same Jesus, the same God that Isaiah encountered. So the big idea was this. What if your brick wall is actually God breaking through? How does that change how you're looking at a brick wall Kairos moment? As someone who has these brick wall Kairos moments, I mean, it, you do. If you pause and you really sit there and you focus and listen, you will hear God speaking. But your application questions were, yeah. what is the spirit of God saying to you through the word of God? Mm. Um, for me, being a little personal, there's moments where it's like, pause, sit yeah. here. Gentle was a word I used this morning. Love that. Because you have to sometimes... Again, when Jason says, you're not God, there's moments and places in my world where I'm like, you don't have teenagers yet. You do not sure. understand. Um, I get the God complex with a 10-year-old. Yeah, I, I, you I, do. I get you it. get yes. it. It's, there's moments where you're like, I really want to be God because yep. I can see things. But yes. that being gentle, cracking your Bible open, it really does. And it's then good. I like this as someone who does, and I know Haley does too because we both are like worker bees. Um, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, ma'am. Sometimes that answers nothing. 
Ooh, Ugh. yeah. That's another Kairos right yeah. there in and of itself. So, listen, I really hope that this language, and, and really here's the goal, guys, and I you know, kind of said this Sunday half-jokingly, but it's really kind of the goal of the series is what we're learning with this language if, if, if you are like, I've got to talk to Jason, I've got to talk to Jason, this, I would walk you through this. I would walk you through the Kairos learning circle. I would ask you what stuck out. How did that mean you feel? I would ask you these questions. It is now empowering our people. I feel like a shift that God is doing in my heart in preaching is going from teaching to training mm. because teaching attracts consumers, training equips disciples, yeah. and not everybody likes training. You know what I'm saying? Everyone loves teaching, but I think not all teaching is training, but all training has to have teaching. Anyway, it's a separate podcast. Felt like I was about to freestyle right there. <laughs> but what this is, is equipping people with discipleship tools. Yeah. You, I mean, those of you listening to this can now walk through these seas of a brick wall and go, oh my gosh, my friend just totally lost their job, or they had this horrible accident, or they had, like, it's language to equip in discipleship. And so that's why I'm really hoping this series, Defining Moments, produces well, in us. The tagline for Defining Moments, it changes everything. Game changer, man. Miss Nikki, what do we got coming up in the life of the church this weekend? So this weekend is a fun week. Um, the kids' side kiddos on Sunday will be back in the back learning about Jonah and a whale. Yeah. But even more so, they're going to get to perfect their whale um, as we have our back-to-school bash yes. at 5.30 yes. um, at the... Um, city pool. Yeah, the city pool. That's just it's, the city pool. <laughs> look, I right? grew up calling it Hillcrest Pool. Yep. It's now, I grew yeah, up. I know, I know. And it's now the Huntington I something Googled or another. And I was like, the WH. Yeah. On Sunday, when I was announcing that, I had the cockeyed (laughs) frown. And then when I went the city pool, everyone went, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's the Hillcrest. It's the Poplar Bluff city pool. (laughs) So families, if you're in the area, bring your swimsuit, bring your kiddos. This will be free of charge. We're going to do some fun water games. Water contests. Water contests. Yes. Guys, I've got signs that are numbered that we will be throwing up to judge. Yes. Old school style. So from who else is going to be there? The ice cream man. Yeah. Like, I mean. I love it. Ice cream truck. We're trying to have fun because heaven's going to be fun. Heaven's going to be a great time. And church should be fun and all of that good stuff. That's why I let you guys yell in church as grownups too because I didn't get to, so. It's going to be good. Hey, listen, we want to remind you guys, if you have any questions, and we're kind of getting into specific stuff. So if you have a specific brick wall or a specific Kairos moment that you, for some weird reason, think we have wisdom that could help you process that. <laughs> we would love for you to uh, shoot us an uh, email at info at westsidepb.org. We would love to tackle your questions, do whatever we can just to help you love and serve Jesus more. Well, so. we did have one of those questions that came through this morning that I totally told Haley we were going to hit on the air. Okay. So I'm glad you said that about questions. Yahtzee. How often can we have those Kairos moments. Yeah, I think it's a good question. Um, I'm going to go back to my first sermon. As a good teacher, I shall refer to what I have taught. Um, Quoting me. I don't think it's so much when we think about Kairos and God's timing, I think we assume, wow, God showed up. Mm -hmm. The reality is, is God is always present and at work. The question is not, will God show up? The question is, will we wake up to his presence? I think the more and more we become aware of God's presence, 
read the Gospels. Jesus is like, I need a drink from the well. Change her life. I'm pressing through the crowd. Someone just touched me. Everybody touched you. No, 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 not like this person. Like, I mean, so it's discipleship is being formed in the image of Jesus in order to see the world like Jesus saw it, right? That's discipleship. So I think these kairoses can happen as much as we are aware in our broken, sinful nature of the presence of God. Now, that's why we kind of broke down the specifics. Brick wall. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't think you're having a couple brick walls every three years, right? Or something like that. Speed bump, you can have that conversation every day or something. The mirror moment and vision probably going to be a little bit less there too. Smile, dude, you can walk, you can see two cats tumbling in the yard, and who wouldn't smile at that? You know, and so I think there's when you understand the severity, that language is helpful when it comes to that. So, yeah, hopefully that answers the question. So if you guys got more of those questions, email. Yep. Info at westsidepb.org. Shoot us a message on our Facebook page. Yes, please. us, whatever. However, you know how to get a hold of us. Cool, guys. We love you. Thanks for tuning in. Share, subscribe. We love you guys. And until then, what's it all about, Haley? It's all about Jesus. Booyah. Love you guys. Peace.